Cool. Thank you, Karen, for taking the time to dedicate to little old me. I just want to start off with a quick story. In about standard eight, standard nine, my mom kept on, what are you going to do with your life and all that? And I hooked on this thing, I'm going to be a lawyer. And my mom looked at okay. me square in the face and she said, you too flippin' lazy to be a lawyer. So <laughs> I know you are like super busy. And um, I really thank you for uh, for taking the time to chat to me. So would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you ended up doing it and why? Sure. So um, I have a law firm called Myers Attorneys. I have always had a love-hate relationship with the law. For whatever reason, I don't I don't know why. Um, funnily enough, as long as I remember, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I think I've had a strong sense of kind of right and wrong, which is often challenged in the world that we live in. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I've always believed that right is right and wrong is wrong. And there's, for me, it's not a gray. So over the years, I've learned that it is more gray. I've had to I've had to broaden my black and white into gray. <laughs> but yeah, at Varsity decided, yes, I'm going to be a lawyer. This is what I'm going to do. Went and studied it and hated law. Like, hated it. The the theory has never really been my um, my strong point. I'm not great at, uh, which also is funny, like following rules. So, and law is very, <laughs> it's very <laughs> rule process. <laughs> so I then decided, nope, I'm not doing this. And people laugh because I say I took a year off and I, uh, so I did my undergrad, my BA, and uh, took a year off and did an honours in political science. I then decided, no, I'll be a politician, which also is, is never <laughs> good. <laughs> it's never going to work out. So. Um, then after doing that, I thought, well, listen, I've started this law process. Let me finish my LLB, get it done and dusted, which I then did. And I did my articles and finished my articles and decided, nope, I hate law again. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> so, I left law and started a, a small consulting firm called Ariel Consulting, which actually still runs today, really doing uh, compliance. And that's that's really the type of law that I like to do. So law has two sides. It doesn't matter what you it doesn't matter what type of lawyer you are. You do one of two things. You either pull things apart or you put things together. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's, you know, if you if a divorce lawyer, you're pulling things apart. If you are a litigation lawyer, you're pulling things apart. You can, or you can also do ANCs and you can put things together. It's, it's that's all it is. It's a yin and a yang. And I realized then that actually my strength lies in putting things together. So whether it is looking at, you know, contracts or compliance or consulting to companies about how to structure their businesses, how to look at their boards, that's really where my strength lies. So we started Myers Attorneys in 2009, so 12 odd years ago now. Yeah. Um, I think I'm not an accountant, so math is my uh, worst well, thing. So, <laughs> so 2009 is... <laughs> So yeah, in 2009, how many years ago that was? We're a, we call ourselves, it's a bit of an oxymoron, a, a generalist specialist law firm. So we do all types of law, but we have a specialist that runs each department. So we have a big conveyancing department and our conveyancer has had 30 years experience in the industry. We've got a labor law department, same thing. And then I had the compliance and consultancy and commercial departments and really depending on who you are it's very boring or very exciting <laughs> it's a lot of work like and, yeah. <laughs> my mom uh, would probably have to look at all those piles of paper and tell you whether it's it's me or not <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought you were going to say your mother looked at you and said, are you insane? And I was going to say your mother is a very smart woman. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to speak about Poppy, which is the Protection Mm -hmm. of Personal Information Act. And it's the current Mm -hmm. kind of legal buzzword doing the rounds at the moment. And and Mm -hmm. as far as I know, it's kind of been doing the rounds since about 2017. It was signed. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's the right date, but it's been around (laughs) for a while. But it's coming into effect now from a, a legal perspective on the 1st of July. And some Mm -hmm. people are freaking out and other people aren't bothered. Could you explain exactly what it is and why it's come into existence and kind of what the impact is going to be? Because like we were talking about before we started recording, you know, people put their personal information out all over social media and there's uh, there's different aspects to it. One thing that kind of irritates me is telemarketing. And while, for example, like your email address or your telephone number, that's kind of public record. I mean, you this shows. Mm -hmm. Like they can be, but what irritates mm. me is when I get a telemarketer and they know, you know, what my bank balance is and where I live mm. and all that kind of thing. Mm. So could you maybe go into uh, kind of what the act is going to cover and who's impacted and so on? Sure. So the act's actually been around since 2013 in various stages. So it came into effect 2013. In 2017, around then, the regulator was appointed. So Poppy has a, a regulator. So She's currently, it's a she, yay. And she, it's her job to make sure that everyone complies with Poppy. She's taken her time to put in regulations, et cetera. The biggest part of Poppy, so the, the part that most, that applies to most of us, every person, uh, comes into effect on the 1st of July uh, this year. And, uh, you know, why Poppy? And as you say, everyone these days really freely puts their information, their personal information on different channels, whether it's, uh, you know, in your email signature, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, it, you know, you're accessible relatively easy by anyone in the public. The principle of Poppy, though, is I can do whatever I want with my personal information. That doesn't mean you can do what you want with it. Yeah. Um, so I can put a lot of, you know, social media, etc. That doesn't entitle you to use it as you like. And that's really what Poppy does. Poppy, it's it's brought about, it really enshrines our right to privacy, which is in Chapter 2 of the Constitution. So it's the legislation that really enforces that right that we have. It also, it's, it's it really brings us in line with the rest of the world, which is funny because Poppy actually was around before most of the other data privacy laws. The international ones. So the the more famous one is GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulations for the EU. Poppy was actually around before that, but they just got their act together, you know, faster than we did. Um, so it, <laughs> we, we operate on Africa time. So it's <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, we're getting there. We're, we're doing it. We're making it. It's like, hey, what's the rush? So one brings us in line with international norms and standards, and two. With the increase, and it's really, so it will impact everyone. It might impact you because you're a business owner and you deal with other people's information, or it will impact you because you have personal information and other people are dealing with your personal information. So it's going to impact everyone. It's important. Everyone's more connected, especially with, you know, recent COVID developments. More and more people are working remotely and you're connected to more and more devices. Mm. So, you know, you connect to your TV over the internet, you connect to your printer over the internet, you connect to your coffee machine. So people apparently can hack your coffee machine. I'm freaked out. I no longer want to live in this world. <laughs> like it's a problem for me. <laughs> I cannot. Um, but, but on a serious note, COVID hit so quickly that a lot of companies had to really shift really quickly to get remote working 
working. And a lot of that was done without training employees what that means. Mm. So we happily connect to Wi-Fi networks, to printers, to whatever. And we haven't trained our employees about the risks. So, you know, there's stats and, you know, it's statistics, statistics and, you know, damn statistics <laughs> and lies. But there's stats which, uh, and I, I was quite, I was like, because it's IBM stats and Accenture stats and version stats and all the rest of it. And then the IT people I spoke to were like, hmm, they mean nothing. They all inflated. So it's like, <laughs> well, that's lovely. But their stats are, you know, 95% of breaches are caused by human error. And that's the problem. You know, we're not training people about those type of things to open, don't open emails. Look at what you're doing. Who are you connecting from? Who are you connecting? And as much as, as business owners, we might be like, oh, it's more, especially if you're a small business owner. The last thing you want is more admin, more red tape, more crap to deal with, paperwork, etc. But then those are the same people. I've got friends who are, you know, after we had a presentation on copy yesterday and they were like, oh, it's ridiculous. You can find everyone's email address everywhere. Like, this is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And in the same sentence, then continue to bitch about Harold specifically and his flower business and how <laughs> you can never unsubscribe you know, no, no. and you continue to hear from Harold all the time. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's you can't really have your cake and eat it. You yeah. want your information. You don't want random people to have your information as a person, but then you want to be a business who doesn't allow that. And really that's what, you know, that's what Poppy does. It says, if you're a business, what they call a responsible party, if you're a business that holds someone else's information, you need to make sure that you are protecting that information properly in terms of the act. Obviously, there's positives to hmm. protecting people's information, but I'd imagine that there are negatives as well. And uh, one of the negatives comes in in terms of marketing, that you can't just add people to your email database mm -hmm. or whatever. And and I'm not even speaking buying databases because from mm. an ethical perspective, I've always felt that buying a database is... Yeah, no, that's... Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, if you are dealing with somebody and they are a client or they're a prospective client, the negative is that you are not able to contact that person unless they actually physically mm -hmm. opt in to your marketing. Um, yes. And I actually read something this morning that Truecaller, for example, which is um, for anyone <laughs> who doesn't know Truecaller... The most amazing thing to help deflect incoming calls from telemarketers. And I read that that's apparently violating the Poppy Act. So, you know, <laughs> what, what are the negatives? So there are some negatives. So in terms of your email marketing, et cetera, the act is specific. So you can't do any direct marketing without someone's consent. So my email address is all over the internet. Uh, it's on our website, it's on my LinkedIn page, whatever. Now I've put it in the public domain. I've done that. I've, I've made it public. Therefore, that email address doesn't enjoy the protection of Poppy. To the extent that you can use it, you can send me a mail and say, we'd like to add you to our database, blah, 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 blah. But I can only, you can only approach me once to get my consent. And if I refuse my consent, it's refused forever. That's, I mean, I suppose that's the difficulty around it. The, the negatives from a business perspective really are the amount of work you're going to have to do to be compliant. And I, I think small business owners particularly, but business owners in general, ostrich a lot of things. So, oh, I'm just going to put my head down. It's not going to affect me. Bigger businesses are lucky. And I say lucky. Uh, they can, they can really budget for those type of things. 
you know we can budget for the fine we can budget for that small businesses can't do that so it will place it will the negative is it will place an extra burden on small businesses and the biggest negative is the reputational risk around it so i'm sure you've seen well i think all of us have seen somewhere someone who's like i need to speak to your manager this is not in terms of the consumer protection act you know <laughs> like when consumer protection everyone was like it's not the consumer protection act blah blah, blah. cpa says this everyone becomes an expert very quickly on these type of topics and in the this world of social media, people will be very quick to say, I dealt with this company, they leaked my personal information, it, I, I don't trust them, da, 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 da. And it's, for me, the, the biggest negative is the potential reputational risk of, you know, being hacked or and that information being leaked or someone who goes on a rant. And no. unfortunately, you know, everyone will say, again, stats, but there's a there's a saying, you know, if if you have good service, you'll tell one person. If you have bad business, you'll tell five. And it's it's the same, you know, it's the same concept. It's uh, the negatives really will be, it's a burden for small businesses because it doesn't matter what size your business is, you're going to have to comply. Mm. And it means you're going to have to do things like, like, the pain in the ass, like changing passwords and making passwords expire and training staff and doing things that actually take time away from making money, which yeah. we, small businesses vitally need at the moment. It's an admin burden, but the biggest is a reputational risk, okay. you know. Yeah. And and even if, I mean, it, you know, uh, we were talking yesterday, I think it's in, it was 2018, Under Armour there, my fitness pal was hacked. So I used to use it, so I get a thing to say, oh, your password may have been compromised, blah, 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 blah. I know IT people have a heart attack. I actually don't care. Like, what information can you get? So, you yeah. know, I'm fat or whatever. <laughs> it's two apples a day. I like, you know, I don't really, I don't really understand the IT side of it. The IT people will tell you it's hectic because they can steal your identity and they can steal your money. And I don't have any money, so it's fine. But like, but I don't really care. But I don't care. And I still was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to use this app anymore. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. it makes me feel like a little bit mm, about it. Yeah. I must say, you mentioned the Under Armour app, the, the My Fitness Pal, and I kind of use it on and off. And especially now after being in lockdown, you know, uh, as mm. I ate an entire packet of biscuits this morning. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, maybe I'll log on tomorrow and just count calories. But I was not aware of that hack. And I was like, oh, shit, I still got that on my phone. Maybe I should take it off because I don't know how hacking works. Like, can they actually <laughs> stuff on your phone through the app? Mm. It is a concern. Funnily enough, the more free we are with our information, the more we want to protect it. And I suppose the principle is because we have the ability to use it as freely as we want, when people use it in a way we don't want it used, it, it becomes really offensive to us because we can we can do whatever we want with our information. So if we're not choosing to do that and you choose to do it for us, it, it can really kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth. All right. So now in the context of business, copy obviously has a fairly large impact and it's not just for business owners and where they store information on their employees, but how, how data is collected and stored in terms of profiling customers and marketing and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So I've been asked some rather specific questions and I don't know why, because people, uh, you know, you've got a podcast, get a guest on to discuss this. So I've been asked some really specific questions and maybe you can cast some light on these. The first question was, if you attend an event which creates a database of attendees, you'd obviously not be permitted to sell that database to a third party. That's obviously Never mind from yes. a, a privacy perspective, that's just an unethical thing. Are you allowed to distribute that list to people who attended the event? Because in my experience, um, when I was working corporate, you go to a workshop 
And at the end mm-hmm. of the, the workshop, you all kind of get a, an Excel spreadsheet with all the other attendees. And from a business networking perspective as well, not that we're networking face-to-face at the moment, but if you attend a networking event, you tend to get a breakdown of who else was there and who was doing what and, and so on. So where mm-hmm. does that kind of fall in line with Poppy? So there, there are two aspects. If you are, if you're the organizer of the event and everyone fills in their, their, their email address. So they're not necessarily required to. You get a registration, you fill in. Some people don't. They don't fill in their ID number or they don't fill in their cell phone number or whatever. If they fill in their email address and you're the organizer of the event, you can contact them again once to say, we've got this. Are you happy if we send you X, Y, and Z? Once the consent is, is received, yes. If it's refused, you can never contact them again, which is fine. When it goes to distributing it to participants of the event, you would have to get the consent of each of those people. So I don't know if you've noticed it's, it's similar but different. Um, often now, if you subscribe to a newsletter, I, I did it the other day with Yaki Chef. It comes up and says, which one of these do you want to subscribe to? Do you want to subscribe to our products, to our specials, to our general newsletter, or all of the above? And that's a poppy thing because now it's the purpose of which they're contacting you. Mm. So at an event, it would be the same thing. You'd have a, let's say a registration form and there'd be a section to tick to say, can we send you information? Can we distribute your email to the other participants for the purposes of business development or business networking? If the people say yes, you can send. And you need to then say to your participants, these email addresses are given with consent for the purpose of business networking. Mm. So don't spam them. So again, you, it's, a, it's a yes and a no. Yes, if you're allowed to, if you're given the consent. <laughs> and you ask the question. <laughs> Next question. Does Poppy have international reach or does it apply specifically to the South African contest, uh, context? Uh, or, or South Africa is a bit of a contest sometimes. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so the specific example was that now during lockdown, uh, a colleague of mine subscribed to an international tourism site's email newsletter. And within a week, she was receiving emails from more than 10 other related tourism sites, many of which did not have unsubscribe options. But because they were international, does she have a leg to stand on? Can she report this to somebody? Or does she just mm-hmm. mark them as junk and and suffer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the problem is uh, Puppy applies to information that's processed in South Africa. And if you are in South Africa trans- and you are in, you're in control of that information and you're transferring it outside of South Africa, that's where Puppy comp- uh, applies specifically. So in this instance, she would need to look and see where that email came from. What privacy laws apply in that com- in that country? Again, so it's it's dependent. The GDPR is pretty much applicable across the EU, and in the states, as is with the states, everything is um, state specific. Yeah. So they don't have a general law. Different states have different laws. California's got a really good one, I know, um, but the other, some may not have any. Uh, mm. So I think it really just depends where that site comes from. I would look, I mean, everyone should have, it's it's very rare that a country these days doesn't have some type of data privacy law or any type of privacy law around having a privacy policy, what you can do with people's information, cookies, da-da-da-da-da. So if, it's, if she's so inclined, 
she can do a little bit of research and click and click on the links at the bottom and see what happens. It, within a poppy context, it applies to information collected, stored in South Africa or held by and then transferred by that person out of South Africa, okay. not necessarily a third party out of South Africa. I suppose we're going to see an upsurge in people suing mm-hmm. each other and all that kind of thing. Now, kind of like when the Consumer Protection Act came in and everyone was like, that was the new shiny thing. Mm-hmm. Now, when poppy mm-hmm. comes into effect on the 1st of July, I think we're going to see like a whole lot of, maybe not even lawsuits but like you say everyone's suddenly an expert and you know an exactly upstate, but i do think it'll probably taper off but from that kind of perspective uh i mean she doesn't really she can't really sue them you know but. she can't really sue them as i understand the regulator will have a portal where you can register at deviant is not the word uh bad <laughs> deviant came to mind but no it's not deviant uh, <laughs> But where you can register sites, companies that are telemarketing to you, or where you've requested your, you, you, they don't have an unsubscribe, or you can't opt out, or you know they they haven't they haven't asked for your consent, or they haven't removed you after consent has been refused, etc. Yeah. Um, they will have a portal where you can report these um, these type of companies. So reported on there. That again is the risk because if someone's pissed off with you and they report you and you reported once or twice, the regulator's gonna then come and have a discussion with you around yeah, you know, yeah. your policies, etc. So yeah, she probably can't sue them, but yeah. there would be a portal, I understand. Okay. And the portal would obviously be poppy compliant. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> South Africa, I saw nothing about that stuff. But, <laughs> Another question, and you might have already touched on this, but I have read that if information appears in the public domain, it's considered public knowledge. Poppy does mean, after all, the protection of personal information. So if it's a business address, is that treated as the same as personal information? Someone publishes their email address, for example, on a social media page, or their their details appear on their company website. Is that then fair game? So personal information is really broadly defined in the Act, and it applies to personal information about a natural entity or a legal entity, a person or a company. But again, any information that is made public by the source. So if the company places something on their website, it's uh, deemed to be publicized or publication and then won't necessarily enjoy the protection of poppy, which is a little bit of a of a red herring because while they won't enjoy the protection of poppy for you to contact them, you will be able, because they've made that information public, you'll be able to contact them, ask them if you can send them emails, etc. Yeah. Once they say, no, you can't, again, consent is refused and poppy applies. So okay. you have no, you then cannot uh, send that information. Yeah. Okay, cool. So just because it's like a like a business, you can't troll business pages and like create yeah. own little yeah. database. <laughs> Not that I do that. I'm just like, <laughs> no, never. of course. And and like I say, you you can do it, but you have to then say, this is why I'd want to do it. Do I have your consent? What happens to existing databases? For example, I get phone calls all the time from estate agents, and the only way they could have got my details is through my home loan and mm-hmm. I don't know like I have like again it's a whole ethical thing like if your, your bank is selling your personal information that's a bit of a problem yeah, but, it's um, awesome. so is there now going to be like this blanket adherence to the mm-hmm. Poppy Act and people stopping con- contacting you from the 1st of July what, what happens if your details are already sitting on a database that has been distributed to all and sundry Slightly different rules apply 
if you are already a customer. So I think there's two sides of it. If you you already you obviously have a client database which you've had for years, etc. In this instance, so if it's my contact details, they've been obtained because there's a sale of a product or a service. What it says now is you can communicate with me. You can direct market me, but it can only relate to my own products and services or your own products and services. So you can send me, I'm a client of yours. You can send me information. You can directly market to me, but it can only relate to your similar products and services. And I must obviously be given the opportunity to opt out at any time. However, if you now decide to give my information to a third party, like you say, an estate agent, etc., that process will no longer be allowed. Not that it's ethical at the moment. No. Um, but a company, if you hold if you hold someone's information, if you want to transfer it to a third party, you have to get the consent of that person. And you and it has to be in a specific so let's say for example if you are if you're applying, if you're buying a house and the estate agent then wants to give your information to the bank or a home loan broker then they say to you can I provide this information and it's for the purpose so it's, you want to sell a house I have your information for selling a house can I transfer your information to a third party for the purpose of achieving this thereafter they can no longer use that information about you those practices should stop and you as a as as the owner of the information or the information belongs to you, you are entitled to say, where did you get my information from? Who gave it to you? How did you get it? Where did I consent? I actually did that. I got a telemarketer this morning and I was like, I did not consent. And she's like, oh, I will <laughs> remove you immediately. So that's, that's the new way to get rid of telemarketers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. exactly it. In terms of puppy. You're going to be that person. I know the rights. (laughs) I will become that person because um, I I, I actually, I feel so bad for telemarketers. I'm pretty sure the suicide rates in the telemarketing call center must be really high because people are so rude to them. I don't know how they do the job, but um, it's it's such a good job, shame. And you know, I mean, you you can understand it, but then my blood just boils when I hear the person on the line like, do you need a new cell phone contract? No, I do not need a cell phone contract. Why are you phoning me? <laughs> My blood doesn't even boil at that stage. Mine boils when they, uh, when you're like, uh, you know, you answer the phone. Uh, hi, Megan speaking. And then they kind of, I, you can never really hear what they say. So they're mm. like, how are you? And you're like, no, I'm well. And you, because like, we are bred. Because <laughs> you want to be polite. And you're like, <laughs> I'm well. Thank you for asking. That's. That's when I <laughs> lose. <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> Stop reading off your script. Cool. Yeah. All right. So I have a colleague who has the following statement included in her email signature. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just kind of go through mm-hmm. the gist. As we've now connected, I'd very much like to add you to my mailing list, which entitles you to updates on my service offers, discounts, and free advice on my services. Uh, these pieces of correspondence are considered marketing communication which means i must disclose to you up front that i'll be contacting you in this way you can unsubscribe or opt out at at any time with one click is this sufficient in terms of consent or does someone actually have to physically opt in or you know reply to email you have to actually ask them listen can i add you to my database and they have to say yes in writing and you have to keep that email as proof or, you know, like um, lead generation and marketing, you've got to download, you've created and they have to give their email address in order to get the download. 
Uh, and the, the training that you ran yesterday, um, I'm obviously now subscribed to your database because I registered for the training. So where, where does that kind of line come in? That's is it black and white or is there a gray area? So again, it's gray. Um, I would say that the statement on an email signature is fine as long as it's not teeny tiny fine print. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like the lawyer print. It's like <laughs> Arial Narrow Three, and no one else can read it. Um, you know, it needs to it needs to kind of be prominent and enough that I can draw my attention to it. So you know, if it's in red or it's kind of bolded or whatever, and it's the bottom, and it doesn't form part of the you know, everyone has those lovely email signatures that please be careful of the environment, don't print unless you blah blah blah, and they've got their whole thing. This email wasn't intended. If it wasn't intended for you as a recipient, I mean, no one reads those and they're tiny. It yeah. needs to be separate from that. And it needs to be able to catch my attention. And the the, the better, the best thing about it is you can unsubscribe at any time or opt out at any time. It's really, so we have obviously a, a database. We have people who will send me a mail and say, unsubscribe me. I've told you this three times. I'm like, okay, well, there's a button, yeah. a little button that says unsubscribe. Mm. Um, but you know, it's easy enough for us then to remove those people. We need to remove people from the database, et cetera. Mm. But they have to be able to opt out at any time they want to. And this, using this kind of a message means you're allowing people to opt in. So you're saying, I'm going to do this. Are you happy? If you're not happy, then let me know, reply. I don't want to marketing or uh, unsubscribe. So this type of thing is 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 good from that perspective. Okay, all right. You can just include a dis- it's essentially a disclaimer on disclaimer. on email. Okay. Obviously, puppy is going to be a fluid thing. So even if that is kind of permitted now, it might not be permitted in the future. Exactly. Um, that I suppose is one of the negatives of puppy at the moment because it's a totally new law and it's broad in terms of the legislation, in terms of how it's written. It's extremely broad. Yeah. Um, and I think it's supposed to be because it applies to a big board topic and really applies to everyone. So they can't be specific around the application of it. But as as anything, as time goes by and there are more and more cases, there'll be some type of case or precedent that's set that says, this is fine, but actually you can't do it this way. You have to do it that way. You know, they'll, they'll, there will be, there'll be more and more, um, type of, cause you know, I say South Africans, I suppose it's people in nature, but South Africans seem to have a, a lot of it. We will look for the loopholes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's the, it's the only place I've ever heard that, you know, our laws are guidelines. <laughs> Everything we do is a guideline. It's not like, you know, everywhere else in the world, it's like, oh, it's a law. No. South Africa's like, a guideline we'll do it if we want to kind of thing but we do have a tendency to look for loopholes to find the easy way out and so there will be abuses and they'll be very quickly you know those will be stopped yeah as soon as the law comes in well like you say a precedent will be said uh i'm actually in discussion with another lawyer about um protection of ip and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. there's so much gray area and Mm -hmm. ifs and buts and uh, if thens in yeah. IP law, um, you know, precedents will be set as we, we go. Yeah. And like, that's why I say, like, I think that initially from July, there's going to be this like upsurge and everyone's mm-hmm. suing each other for poppy stuff, but it'll kind of mm-hmm. take it down eventually. It will. And I think, I mean, again, I don't know the exact number, but with GDPR in their first year, I think their equivalent of our regulator issued 
percent we created, but it's something like eighty-six million dollars in fines, uh, and that was just in the first year. So you know, there is it's it'll be the new thing, it'll be the new trendy thing to do, kind of thing. Um, and you can and and also the regulators got something to prove. You know, she, this act has come in; it's her job to make sure that she's doing the right thing. You know, you can expect, like you say, a lot of fines and a lot of changes probably to what is right and what isn't right uh, at the beginning and then and there'll be regulations so she'll send out guidelines and regulations that this is what an IT audit should be this is what a property audit should be and they'll evolve all right the last question that I was asked in terms of how poppy is going to affect certain well not even business this is not even a business thing it's just it's a general thing in terms of a group site or chat for example a whatsapp group can a member of the group post details or information regarding another member? If not, who is responsible or accountable in terms of the law? Is it the group admin or is like the whole group guilty by association? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, again, it's interesting because we live in an interesting times. So we all know that WhatsApp is changing its privacy policy and there's chaos and drama about the whole thing. And, you know, everyone's freaking out. Uh, and I actually heard this morning that to add more to the chaos, I think they are now implementing their new privacy policy as of the 15th of May. So I'm sure there'll be a mass exodus at that time. Again, the regulator well, has said there are... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, like, oh my goodness, everyone signal, telegram, whatever, I don't know. Like, <laughs> just as good. But, um, but yeah, the regulator has said they are reviewing those privacy terms just to see whether they are compliant with puppy. They did make statements about that. But whether whatever their terms are, et cetera, the, the principle really is in this instance, if you're on a group, you've consented to being there. So your cell phone, you know, your cell phone number at the very least is not public to that group because you've, you've consented to being it. You can leave that group at any time. There's no requirement that you have to be there. And I suppose it depends on the, the type of group. I know a lot of uh, schools now communicate through a kind of WhatsApp, I think it's called like a D6 communicator. Yes, um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's easier to access to, you know, access to information and this is our sports day and blah, 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 blah. I suppose it's the, the 2021 version of the newsletter email or <laughs> that, you, like, <laughs> that, that came home in your bag. <laughs> so it's the, it's that, the 2021 equivalent of that. Well, I know it's been around for longer. Um, but, you know, those you have to consent. Parents have to consent to your children's images being put on there, that the information is put on there. Um, and equally, they have to make sure that it's compliant in terms of rules and regulations. But as of any WhatsApp group, which is maybe a little bit less formal, you've put your information on there. You've consented to it. And, you know, while I wouldn't necessarily say, here's Karen's number, she's on the group, I would just say, you know, you can add someone, at Karen, maybe you can help Megan out or whatever, uh, which is a bit of a... Muslim anyway, because the people can Google it, they can just scroll through the group and see my number anyway. But you've, by adding, by being a part of that group, you've kind of added that information. Yeah. So you're entitled to do it. But where I would maybe be a little bit more wary is passing someone else's information who's not part of that group on the group. So often, you know, someone will say, uh, oh, guys, I'm looking for a ENT or whatever <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> on this group. 
does anyone have the details, etc.? And people very freely put that information on there, mm. um, which you know, from a business perspective, is nice. And those people has that have that information, but you are now passing on personal information. So it might, in the end, that instance, be advisable just to private message the person. I was going to kind of ask, uh, you know, to distinguish between private and and group messaging because mm. if we are never allowed to pass other people's information along, like business will grind to a halt. So, yes. you know, yes. uh, the referral business, at least, um, you know, so, Definitely. okay, uh, so groups are a no-no in terms of posting people's mm. details that are not physically in the group. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Especially if they are a, like a, a private person. Business details, I think there's a little bit more flexibility, mm. but uh, if it's a, if it's a private person and you're sending their details, I would private message the other person rather. And also that keeps all the crap off of your whatsapp group yes <laughs> yes yes <laughs> so you don't open your phone and you've got 17 messages like yeah and none of them pertain to anything so well, no anyway, they're all jokes and stuff yeah it's, uh, let's not complain about whatsapp because that's going to take the next hour if we go down that route yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right so as business owners, we obviously have to be compliant to avoid fines and jail time, etc. And as per the training yesterday, the, the fines are like quite hefty, like 10 million rand, 10 years in jail uh, as the kind of extremes. Um, yes. I'd imagine that's kind of for very large companies that have a data breach and that kind of thing. If you're like a one-man band, you're not necessarily going to get a 10 million rand fine. But how do we go about becoming compliant? And one of my clients um, heard I was going to be doing a podcast on Poppy and they sent through these questions. So, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> does an organization have to have an information officer or someone accountable? And um, the answer is obviously yes, but maybe you could mm -hmm. go a little bit into that. So, uh, and again, this just becomes the complexity of the legislation. So Poppy now combines PIA. So PI is the Promotion of Access to Information Act. It's been around for ages. It's basically an act that says how you can request information from a body that, that holds your information. So uh, if I know that you hold information from me, I can do a, a PIA request for that information. So Poppy has combined, the, the PIA now falls under the regulator, and the regulators issued guidelines that both of those acts require you to have designated information officer. If you don't appoint one, the CEO is by default your information officer. So even if you kind of like, well, we don't have one, you have one. And there is a regulation that says, and it's a little bit, it's a little bit unfortunate. There was a regulation uh, published by the regulator last year or guideline last year August which is, is still in draft format they haven't finalized it for whatever reason but it talks about information officers what their responsibility is and that you have to before you can start your obligations or your job as an information officer you have to register with the regulator so there's a form which says this is my company this is who my information officers are and according to those guidelines that has to be done by the 31st of March this year so every company will have to register their information officer with the regulator there apparently was going to be a portal, etc. That information, and I actually sent an email to the regulator yesterday to say what is happening with it because it's still in draft. So, yeah. is the date set? Is it going to be a is it finalised, etc. The information uh, regulator has a website and the draft guidelines on the registration of information officers and the duties of information officers. It's a good guideline for people to look at in terms of what their requirements are. Okay, um, even though it's still in draft. 
Would you be able to share that email address so I can include it in the, uh, not the email address, uh, the, uh, sure. the website? Mm, I can do that. I can notes. send it to you. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, I have that. Cool. Perfect. Um, now, when I was working corporate, I was the health and safety officer and I had to, you know, have like basic first aid and know how to use a fire mm -hmm. extinguisher and all that crap. So like with a poppy officer or an information officer, do they now have to like go to law school to, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> to understand legalese and the poppy act? Or can they have like a loose grasp and rely on like a third party for the more kind of technical stuff? So, you know... The, the information officers actually have a, a really big job. Their job really is to manage all the information within the organization. So they have to make sure that the organization is properly compliant. They have to make sure staff are trained and what to do if someone asks, etc. So look, it's not, it's not brain surgery, but it does come with a fair amount of responsibility. So if you are lucky enough to be appointed the yeah. information <laughs> officer, <laughs> and I can tell you where it's going to lie. It's going to lie with the HR people. Yeah. Like if you're in an organization and you deal with HR for whatever, you know, if you're that, you, you're the, you, if you, if you're in an organization and it doesn't matter whether you formally HR, if you deal with staff, it's going to be your job. That's the person who's going to be, it's going to be either HR person or your admin finance person. Um, they're going to, you know, they're going to be set like saddled with it. Definitely. And it's definitely in their interests to make sure that they at least have some training on it, mm. you know, do some, that's a swear word, but Google, um, <laughs> but, you know, Google responsibly, uh, uh, see what you can find, go on a course, get some understanding. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile to do it just because, you know, it does come with a lot of, a lot of responsibility. All right. Uh, the next question was, how does a business set up a formal poppy plan? Are there examples online that go into how to do it? Is, are there templates, that kind of thing? Again, it's really how long, you know, is a piece of string. Most companies have, well, all companies are required to have a privacy policy. You're also required to have a, like a data privacy agreement with any third parties that you transfer information to, et cetera, non-disclosures, um, all the rest of it. And there's a lot of resources online around, uh, you can look at, you can look at poppy checklists or poppy compliance checklists. They're gonna, they're gonna be a good place to start around how you can start your compliance process. That's never gonna be complete and it's never gonna be comprehensive. And just because you answer, you know, it's, it's, it's like COVID. Just because you answer yes to everything doesn't mean you have COVID. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just because you don't have a temperature doesn't mean you don't have COVID. It's the same concept. Just because I'm answering yes to this checklist, doesn't necessarily mean I'm compliant, but there are there are a lot of resources that you can use to at least start the process. And I can look and see if it's still around. The promotion of access to information, the Human Rights Commission used to used to manage the Promotion of Access to Information Act. And they used to publicize often a template promotion of access to information manual so that organizations would have a process as to how to go about dealing with people who approach them to ask information. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, that's a really good start. You know, it comes from a legitimate good site. It's out of the act, um, and it's a good download. From an IT perspective, because, you know, a big part of Poppy is looking at your technical system, so your IT or how you back up, you know, your passwords, et cetera. There are a few companies. I know Microsoft does it, and I think SolarWinds does it. You can look at a an assessment. So it's a privacy, it's a privacy assessment. I know uh, uh, Microsoft 
it used to be on their website to do a privacy assessment here. Um, it was in line with GDPR. Again, it's a thumb suck as to how good it is. You can also do from a technical perspective, but this is really in-depth. They call them these CIS controls. It's a, a IT auditing companies use them, but like there are hundred of there, 20 of them, but they're really in-depth and they deal with like like coding and stuff like that. But you can do those, you can do those assessments. It'll say do a free assessment here. And those things will always will give you an idea of where to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. In, in, inevitably you'll end up on their database if you use their free tool. Exactly. One hundred percent. Um right. and you forever in their net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I should come up with a, a poppy tool that'll help me grow my database. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sign up, yeah. <laughs> all right, so the final question, the final kind of formal question uh, that I was asked to ask was, how can a business prove that training has been done regarding Poppy? Again, are there online documents or templates available? So would they get the documents from this regulator website that you mentioned? Uh, are there other resources? There will be, without a doubt, and there are already a lot of online training courses for Poppy. So obviously those you can log in, you can pay money, you get your certificate, etc. cetera. Um, uh, and they will, they'll be on the rise because, I mean, it's a, it's a very hot topic and people will be looking to monetize it as much as possible. <laughs> and they'll, they'll issue training. But you do need to, from a business perspective, you do need to train your staff on Poppy and you need to have some type of record of that and understand that new staff always needs, you know, new staff obviously needs to be trained. And again, how often you need to do refresher training with staff who maybe have access to a lot of information and keep a, keep a record of it. To me, it would just make sense to include it in your onboarding process if you're getting mm. new staff. But now with skills development and all that kind of thing, you've got all soft skills training throughout the year. Well, you should. At least. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so in a nutshell, because um, we've been going for, for quite a while, so maybe just give us the nutshell version. Where to from here? Um, you need to perform your audits and all that kind of thing. Mm. Could you just give a quick nutshell version of the process that you can follow right now to become compliant? So the first thing you need to do is understand what information you hold. You know, you can't measure what you don't know. So you need to, as a business, understand what information it is that we hold and where is it? How is it stored? Because, you know, we live in a, a technological world. People just think, oh, it's my emails, it's my whatever. And we, you know, we're a law firm. We love paper. We unfortunately cut down 100 trees a day. Um, <laughs> so the, the environmentalists are not fans of us, but we have this need to have everything in writing and in paper. But it means that often documents sit at our printer or on our desks or we have filing cabinets for Africa, but none of them have keys for example mm. they do now because we just did our hobby audit but um <laughs> to say, as a disclaimer we now have a um, but yeah these are things that we didn't we didn't think about so we've spent a lot of time and effort on our technologicals so our backups are done and our firewalls and our passwords and everything else but we forgot about the paper and a lot of people still keep paper and they have some type of records so your first thing you really need to do is look and find out what information you have you know how you store it how it's kept how you keep that information how you get that information when you delete it etc because a lot of people you know as much as they may be good about how they collect the information, we, by human nature, tend to be hoarders about keeping information. Because I might just need it. I met this person 20 years ago. and Maybe I'll need one day a florist that, I don't know, <laughs> 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 you know specializes in, you know, Robert and daisies or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, 
I, I met this Texas cowboy and maybe I want to have a ranch one day or whatever. So I have to keep his information, whatever it is. Um, we, we, we're big on like kind of hoarding information. So, <laughs> and you'll be, you'll be surprised about how much information you have when you start to look at it. So mm. look at the information you have, then do your audit, then understand really how information flows through your organization from when you can, the life cycle of it, when you collect it, how long, you know, ask the question, what, do I need this information? Have I got the consent? Where did I get it from? Do I know why we're using it? And then do a, you know, do a gap analysis because no one is 100% non-compliant. We're doing something right. We might not be uh, documenting it. We might not have a process in place, but we are doing something right. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not starting from a zero base. Everyone has something that they're doing correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if, even if you have a database who you market to, Nine times out of 10, you're doing it through a whatever, a, an application that is probably compliant yeah. or GDPR compliant. So they have the unsubscribe, they have the opt-in, they have the, all the, you know, all the stuff is already written in. So no one is non-compliant, 100%. And then, you know, appoint your information uh, officer, train your staff and have a plan that you are, it's going to evolve. It's not a one and done. And, you know, have a plan and, and really I understand that in this day and age, no one has money just to spend. But it's really worthwhile having a discussion with someone, spending some money just to get some legal advice on where your gaps are, where your risks are. Or, you know, we have these documents. Do they comply? What can I add to them, et cetera? No. It's really something that uh, it's, it's a rather kind of specialized field. And you need to understand it because it's so broad. And, you know, rather I could pay to have it done right the first time than pay double to have it done right after you've done it badly the second time. What's the saying? Um, if you don't have time to do it right, you must have time to do it over. Yeah, it's exactly. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. I, well, I haven't taken many more notes than I did yesterday. I've written another <laughs> four lines. But, um, and I, my note-taking, I wrote 31 March without any contextual information. Oh, right. But, um, anyway. But um, thank you. You know, this is such an important thing at the moment. And like I say, you know, we've got the, it's the buzzword and it's something that we all have to do, no matter, you know, if Mm. you're freaking out about it or not. So thank you for taking the time. Um, No problem. I've got five quick questions to end all. Sure. First question, define success. So, uh, well, from a business perspective, me, uh, success is my business uh, operating and making more money when I'm not there. So <laughs> I want to be on a beach somewhere or whatever, and I want my business to have the biggest, best day when I'm not there. Yeah. Um, that's successful. I, you know, I believe that a, a business is, is more than a person. So if your business can survive outside of you, then you've done something right. For my business, it's, uh, it's, it's successful when – my staff can work there without having to worry about external factors. So, you know, they, they're happy enough, they paid well enough that they don't have to worry about, you know, I, my kid is sick, I can't take time off, or I don't have enough money for this, et cetera. So from a, from a business perspective, it's really, you know, when your staff are happy there and they, they, they're comfortable and they know they don't have to worry about external factors because they've been taken care of through your business, yeah. then, you know, that, that becomes a, a measure of success for me, definitely. Awesome. Uh, what do you do when you're not working on your business? Do you have time? Because, I mean, what crap? <laughs> you know what they say? If you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
you know, uh, there, there used to be an ad years ago, I can't remember, but uh, my family joke, you know, uh, what do you do for fun? I bake. Um, so <laughs> I can't remember what ad it was, but it was some ad years ago. I just said, what do you do for fun? We bake. Um, and I spent a lot of time in the kitchen and I'm a kind of big foodie. So, oh, awesome. um, mm, so you, baking, cooking, that type of stuff. Do you find it all, um, I haven't included it in, in the quick, quick fire round, but um, I mean, I'm quite big on creativity and all that kind of thing. Mm. Do you find that taking that time away and doing something completely separate from the process driven mm. law stuff, something creative, does, does it feed back into the business at all? 100%. I, you know, it's, it's quite a big bag, not really bugbear of mine, but I find that even from, from a school age, if you are academically inclined or if you, and at a university or whatever, if you're going to do a science so, uh, or a more academic subject like a engineering or accounting or medicine or law, you kind of then naturally excluded from thoughts like, oh, you're going to be an engineer. Why do you want to be in this play? Um, you know, why do you want to be in the choir, etc.? Yeah. I find that the system kind of excludes them, and and arts are always the last thing to get funding, etc. But I really think that creativity is really good, especially in you know we need to find everyone says we need to find you know african solutions for african problems and that's going to take creativity and i and i think it's vitally important to use your other side of your brain business is tough times are tough we have to find ways to adapt if you in a, a typical kind of science or academic you you taught very much black is white you know black and white one plus one is two you think in that box and you taught to think in that box and i think it's it does a disadvantage to those people in terms of mm. being able to adapt and i definitely think creativity is vital to to all careers because yeah. you you you, be able, you you can expand your brain you know and you can for sure the legal field is very kind of corporate very suit and tie you know kind of very very formal that, that well that's the kind of impression and in fact I, I, i'm so i'm the anti-law anti-lawyer whatever you want to call it because i'm really not that and i've until about a couple of years ago i had like purple hair and like had a few clients who were like oh you're just boring now because you just <laughs> have one color or whatever but you know for me it really enabled me to attract a, a different type of client and the clients that i think are businesses that are growing so we have a lot of it clients we have a lot of creative clients we've got a lot of marketing you know clients in the digital startups etc because then they relate more to you yeah. and and that's exactly why you need to be flexible you need to be able to evolve and you yeah. can't be back in the 1912s where no, for sure. <laughs> we'll move on to the next question because i can speak about creativity and its impacts for like the I know. <laughs> so the third question um is there a specific resource that you continually return to that you believe is integral to personal or professional development it's interesting enough i years ago i was watching this uh podcast and one of the guys was saying he believes in educating his child on financial literacy etc and the person asking was like well but how like you know nothing about financial literacy so like how did you get about this whatever and his answer stuck with me like 100 he was like why in this day and age would you choose to be ignorant mm. about something like we have access to so much information sometimes maybe too much but we have access to so much information that no one 
to choose to be ignorant about something. And, and you know, that really struck me. I, I try and learn as much about something as possible. You know, then you become a multidimensional person. You can chat about different things. I think, you know, we, we get stuck in, especially if you in a field that takes so much time, whether it's law, engineering, or accounting, that's all you ever talk about. So you only ever, you know, you only surrounded by lawyers. You only speak about law. It's, it's it becomes tedious and yeah. you then one dimensional you can't speak about anything else so I listen to a lot of TED Talks oh, I love TED Talks <laughs> I love them they, you know there's such a variety they give such a good different opinion different variety of opinions so I spend a lot of time on uh, TED Talks and then you know for me in terms of personal development it, it may sound maybe different or weird. I spend a lot of time with, I try and spend time with different people. Um, understanding and, you know, especially in South Africa, we live in a multicultural environment and it's, it's in everyone's interest to learn about other people and other cultures. And you may not, you may not agree or, or disagree or, you know, you could end up having fights, but, uh, I think the more time you spend around people, the more you're going to learn and grow yourself. Uh, one of my previous guests said that he, as he's getting older, is trying to spend more time with people with views that are very different from his because there is no benefit in having your own thoughts and opinions reconfirmed every time you talk to mm -hmm. someone. So, yeah, I, I completely amazing. agree. You know, I think people are competitive by nature. I think people are naturally competitive. So if you're spending time around people who know things you don't know or have different you're going to want to by nature learn about it and you know move to that level because you don't want to be the guys coming last it's like that uh I, I love saying so i've got another one that kind of fits in here something about um if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room yeah 100%. <laughs> exactly exactly if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted except for one what would it be and why no pressure Wow. Yes, lots of pressure. Totally. I really, really thought about it. There's a book I read in Varsity. It's called Shades by Marguerite Poland. It's a South African book. It's a book about two friends and how they grew up together in South Africa. And the one, there's a death. Um, and it talks about how uh, the one boy has to get the body back to home because of, you know, the ancestors and the spirits. And it's an, it's an amazing it, it really touched me in terms of, uh, you know, I think I was young at the time, but it stayed with me for years. And I think that's where understanding different cultures and different people maybe mm. came from, like, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, so that would be my book, Shades by Marguerite Poland, for sure. Oh, awesome, awesome. I try and, all the books that people suggest, I try and read them. So um, last, mm -hmm. the last podcast, the guy's, the guy's answer was The Bible which uh, that's that's a little bit too thick for me. <laughs> <laughs> but this one I'll definitely yes. give a go. Definitely sure. what, is, what is your book? Oh, frick, I don't know. At the moment, I'm completely, <laughs> I'm completely obsessed with this book by David Epstein called Range. The premise of the book is basically how generalists triumph in a specialized world and how being a generalist is actually better than specializing in something. And he does this comparison with Tiger Woods and Roger Federer in the very first chapter and Tiger Woods could play golf but you know by the time he was three and all that kind of mm. but what can he do now all he can do is play golf whereas Roger Federer kind of dabbled in different sports and he's t top of the mm. tennis game but he's got other things going on as well so um, that was just kind of one of the, um, the and uh, it's been the book that I've been recommending 
the most at the moment. But um, oh, wow. okay. I mean, it, it, that, it's a really shitty question because like there's quite a lot of <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at our books. That's off, exactly you know, it. I know. All piled onto one another. So um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. There are so many. There's The Book Thief, which is amazing. Yeah, there's just, yeah, there are way too many books. Yeah. Uh, do you prefer kind of coming from such a uh, process-driven academic type of field you prefer reading fiction um no i will read pretty much anything okay uh, i like i like fiction just because it's quite a nice escape so you know you you kind of get away from like the the seriousness of life yeah uh, for lack of a better word but i 100 percent prefer a book to a kindle or a screen or a anything electronic. Like yeah. that is without a doubt. Give me a book to read, an actual book any day of the week. Yeah, I, I like having the physical book, but I'm running out of space. I live in such a tiny house. <laughs> I'm running out of space. If you store stuff in the cloud, like in your Kindle. Yeah. But um it's, yeah, I haven't I haven't I haven't uh, succumbed yet. Um I prefer that. <laughs> I do understand the concept and I will take it, you know, when I'm on a holiday or whatever, but uh I, I will always have a book, an actual no. book. <laughs> cool. What one piece of advice do you wish you'd received when you started your business? Don't use a Gmail account. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> like, and it, and it, it, it's, it's that, but it's, it's a little bit broader than that. And, and the Gmail account is really just a, a reference for it. I, I really wish the piece of advice I probably wish I'd gotten and had taken, because I think that's also the other side of it, yeah, is yeah. get people on board to do what you don't do. So, you know, I, I'm a lawyer. I'm, what I should have done was just focus on law. Um, I know that, you know, things cost money, but find people, use your resources who are going to help you with creating a logo, doing your marketing, doing your website, doing your finances, getting your law stuff done, like getting your agreements in place. Don't, you know, like Google doesn't have my law degree kind of thing. You know? yeah, so yeah. the one piece of advice I would really is just do the right things right, the foundation things. Mm. Like you, I, I, I was like, oh, I don't have money, so I have this Gmail account. And it's unprofessional, you know, to, especially in this day and age where it's free to have your own domain you know, yeah, yeah. for the most part. It is a free website. And, you know, and we now can build those type of things yourself. There's a lot of tools to do that. But get, even if you do 80% of it, just get the last 20% done by a professional, someone whose job it is to do that. Because, you you know, you wouldn't want, if you're having neuros brain surgery you don't want the neurosurgeon to be like yeah i do it part-time um i looked it up online <laughs> yeah i googled how to do this thing with your brain uh, <laughs> i was like oh god it's like a picture on google <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly what is this what does this do yeah but uh you know i say to people now all the time if you wanted let's say you wanted to invest in my business okay and whether it was a rand or 10 rand or a million rand or 100 million, it doesn't matter how much it you would say to me, okay, I'm going to come and invest in your business. That's great. Show me your policies, your procedures. Uh, do you have a board? What type of governance? Show me your finances, etc. And that's like fair and reasonable. That's a reasonable question because you're investing money in someone's business. So you would expect those questions. 
And if you think about how much time and money you've invested in your own business, why don't you have the same requirement for yourself in your business? You know, you always treat your sick friend better than you if you were sick kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Someone else is sick. Oh, you're the doctor. You're sick. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. It's like, it's just, you know, it's a little bit of blood. My arm got amputated, but it's fine. You know, kind of thing. Like, but, yeah, exactly. But, you know, someone walks past you and it's like, hey, hey. You're like, oh. You need to go to the doctor. Why at work? Go and lie in bed. Yeah, I'll bring you some medicine or whatever. Like it's like overkill, right? But yeah, yeah. and we we'll, we it's like the mechanic whose car is is always isn't fixed. But yeah. if we have expectations for other people, if you think about if you're starting your own business, if someone is investing in your business or you were investing in someone else's business, what would you require? And you'd want them to do things properly. Mm-hmm. So do things properly as much as possible. That would be my really the one thing I wish I had taken one thing I had been told and if I'd been told I wish I'd taken it because I think I would have been like yeah whatever yeah. well <laughs> I we know, know, better, we know everything way. don't we until we don't know it <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> all right so here's the last bonus question for sure okay Can okay I add you to my email database <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you have my consent. <laughs> <laughs> I am just joking, but um, I've got you on, got you on um, record now, and this is going in the public. Um, just lastly, where can people get hold of you? Have you got a website, email, social mm-hmm. media, etc.? The website is www.myersattorneys, M-Y-E-R-S, attorneys.ca.za. Uh, if you want to mail me, it's Karen at Myers Attorneys, uh, C-A-R-Y-N. See if you can get it right. Um, <laughs> it's, it'll be a first. A lot of people are, uh, uh, it was a K or whatever. But yeah, C-A-R-Y-N. So Karen at Myers Attorneys. Or I'm on um, LinkedIn. You can find me and connect with me. Cool. Thanks, Karen. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I really hope that people find a lot of value in this podcast. Obviously, I'm going to be mm, editing, too. so I'll be listening to it several times. So hopefully <laughs> by the end of that, Lucky lack you. of notes <laughs> won't matter. <laughs> um, but I really do appreciate you taking the time cool. and sharing this information with us. It is so important, especially for small business owners. So thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Anytime. I hope that it helped. I've taken up a lot of your time, so let me let you go. No problem. And awesome. you can get back to lawyering or attorneying or whatever <laughs> you want to do. And, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in contact somewhere down the line. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Thank you. Thanks cool. for letting me chat to you. Yeah. <laughs> Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.